The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. Here we are. The draft week is upon us. Uh, the excitement builds. I mean, uh, just for you, I mean, how exciting is draft week? As many of you might know, Matt Waldman is the author of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, a comprehensive tome outlining all the prospects that will be selected in this year's draft and beyond. So how do you feel about the draft itself? What What is it to you? Is it kind of anticlimactic? Um. I think, I mean, it's entertaining for sure. Um, but for me, I think what's more, I, I'm not, I don't like sitting in the waiting room waiting for the, the picks to come. So for me, it's more about, I like seeing the list at the end and going, oh, okay, this is yes. where they wound up. So, you know, while we're on air doing draft shows and talking about these players, it's fun. And that's, and there's some excitement in the first round or certain points of it, but there's long moment. It's kind of like, you, you know, it, it's kind of how I imagine that, veterans talk about war long moments of boredom and interminable you know overthinking about things and then the moment comes and then then you react and i don't want to say it's exciting war is exciting it's not i mean it's exciting in a bad way but you know it's that kind whatever type of thing that you're in where you have these long moments where you're just like can they just get on with it um i've got better things to do with my life you know type of thing but i do enjoy finding out where they go the analysis there's excite it's fun to see the excitement and reactions with teams there's certainly a lot there to it i just would like the condensed version the uh, you uh, i'm guessing probably not but let me just go ahead feel or fuck it a validation uh when picks are made uh, based on what your uh what your your evaluations were ah fuck it i'm like more of a i'm more of a uh talent guy than a draft capital guy so while I guess I and have they are moments, different lanes, people need to realize this, right? They're two different games. They're very different games because the the higher the draft pick, the more they've either shown production, their interviews were good, they hit the prototypes physically, and those things are about covering your ass. You know, to you know, it's one thing to it's one thing to miss out on a on a running back like Bijan Robinson or to miss him. You know, and he doesn't work well. He doesn't play well. You can say, well, he came from Texas. He's got all the prototypes. He had all the production. He he ran fast. He looked good on film. It's another thing to invest a, a first round or second round pick on a like 5'9", 200 pound back with two ACL tears who went to like a small school and was <clears throat> and the big school basically said, when you got hurt the first time, we weren't going to take you anymore. And, you know, Brian Westbrook worked out. But like, because that's who I just described. But if they picked him in the first round and he didn't, all those people are getting fired because they can't cover their ass with all the rationale that I just gave. Even though what it should be about is talent, not height, weight, and all that, all that jazz. So, you know, it is. It's a. I'm feeling the difference there. Um, so for me, it's more about how they play. Well, then allow me to present this: a former fourth round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. So. Someone in this room might have been high on them at one point. Hakeem Butler now tearing up the XFL for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, doing a great job. Uh, is he earning another shot in the NFL this coming year with his efforts? Feel that or fuck it. If Cavante Turpin got a shot, 
Hakeem Butler is get is absolutely getting another shot in the NFL, and he should because fuck the Arizona Cardinals for like I mean they waved the guy with a hand injury. We didn't really ever get to see him play, and the other teams that didn't use him. If you want to say, oh Matt, fuck you, the you know this guy's <laughs> bounced around the league multiple times. He's obviously proven he can't play in the NFL. I'll just bring up Raheem Mostert, Kurt Warner, a bunch of other players who bounced around because teams said, oh. He's a fourth round pick. He didn't even make this roster. He's may, he's a big guy. Maybe we'll make him a tight end. And then he sits on the back of the depth chart because they've got other priorities. They're not really going to look at the guy. They've already labeled him either special teams fodder or some future reserve type of situation. And it takes a lot for these guys to get an opportunity when that happens. Once you get a label early on, and I think he got labeled early, and he didn't give up, and you know, obviously, I'm rooting for him because I think he's an immense talent, and he's starting to show up a little bit, you know, in another league. We'll see how it goes in the NFL. Yeah, bringing up the old Iowa barnstormer success of the great Kurt Warner, who now an NFL Hall of Famer. Not everyone goes that direction. PJ Walker. I mean, sometimes these guys that are great in these lower leagues are not as great in the NFL True league. Enough. So. That's something to keep in mind. So I will remain skeptical until he get. Look, I'm all for everyone getting an opportunity, uh, and I hope he gets one. And and hopefully he can build on the next success he's having this year in St. Louis. And by the way, what a great story uh, that is! Uh, loaded with fans there. I think they had thirty three thousand in the stands. Uh, so hey, spring football. They're using them, to it. and they are using them in the slot, which is you know right. Which on one level, it's a good thing because it shows you what he can do as a route runner. And, and reading things but in the other it's also showing you how he's getting winning matchups um, and sometimes those matchups can be um, really advantageous uh, the artist Jack Johnson ends up in Jacksonville I almost transposed the player with the place imagine that the horror um, so Dearness Johnson behind Travis Etienne they do have other guys there Michael Hastings we saw last year Snoop Carter where are you lad um, so, uh, how you feeling, uh, feeling a bucket on Dearness Johnson, uh, in Jacksonville? I would have, I would have really enjoyed if you called him Dearness Dempsey from Johnsonville working with Mike Jackson, <laughs> Jackson. but, uh, but I think I was heading that direction. we were heading there, Dempsey, but let's see, uh, with, for him, like, but... this is just further proof. If we needed a host, uh, I would not be it. <laughs> <laughs> and Dempsey would. <laughs> Shout out to Mike. But yeah, I love Dearness Johnson in Jacksonville because I think it gives them uh, a runner who is a little <clears throat> bit in between what you get from guys like Snoop Connor and Jamichael Hasty. You get the shiftiness, you get the quickness, and the the skill as a as a pass catcher. Some of that that Hasty provides, you get a little bit enough of size and downhill running um, that you get with Connor, but not with enough of the explosion Connor lacks. Um, so I think Johnson could wind up being a compliment in this offense if they don't draft another running back, and this is a rich class. Yeah, I can think back to, you know, when he burst onto our radar. I want to say it was a primetime game against the Denver Broncos, and he just lit him up. And uh, and so, I mean, look, he obviously has this ability. I think this is kind of part of the reason why we see the devaluation of running backs. There's a train leaving the station every time you put one in a jersey it seems and you know these guys there are a lot of talented running backs out there uh everybody i know you know that's the popular thing this year is there's a bunch of isaiah pachecos in this year's draft and and i don't know that that's wrong there's a bunch of guys who have given the right opportunity in the right scheme uh can get something done dearness johnson was that in cleveland i 
be interested to see if he gets that opportunity. I'm not all that high on, I mean, Travis Etienne looks like he's going to get a ton of opportunities. Um, I expected more from him with those opportunities last year. Maybe he can, you know, maybe he can convince me. I mean, I, I, I may remain Etienne skeptical at the moment. I want to see. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Like I, he's exciting. He's not a very, um, he's not a conceptually very advanced back in a lot of ways. Maybe he'll get better in that. Um, and I don't know. I just get an injury vibe from him too, a little bit. There's runs a little upright. That, yeah. that kind of upright style seems like it's inviting it. And he's not a, a thick body guy, you know, that he's, he's one of these heavy set, heavier set running backs. So we'll see. I, I hope my skepticism is proven wrong. And so do many, many drafters who are still taking him fairly highly. Um, the Panthers, uh, they've added pieces at all the skill positions, including running back Miles Sanders. They still have two Hubbard, Deontay Foreman moved on. Um, you feeling them drafting another running back in 2023? Absolutely. Because Chuba Hubbard has been not what they expected. Raheem Blackshear is basically a special teamer. Who's a, who's kind of a spunky kind of scat back type of player who, who you know you like on the back of your depth chart when you don't have much, but he doesn't have a future really as a starter. So when you look at that team, there's not much behind Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders, as we've seen, has been up and down during his career. So I would not be shocked at all if they go as early as the fourth round to get a, a running back. Fuck that! I want Miles Sanders getting all those damn carries, but we all know how this works. And you know they did invest pretty significantly. They did in Sanders, and I think that's you know that's the key here. I mean, running backs don't get paid a ton when you see someone come in and get what do you get six plus million a year? You know that's Austin Eckler money. Austin Eckler would tell you that's not enough, but Miles Sanders would probably say he's fine with it. Uh, Irv Smith shows up in uh, Cincinnati, where Hayden Hurst moved on to the Panthers, one of the many new skill players there, along with Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and quarterback to be named this week um Irv Smith in Cincinnati delivering on his upside finally field or fuck it fuck it no because unless uh, they're gonna need they Higgins Chase Boyd they're all gonna need to get banged up um somebody's gonna need to get banged up in that in that offense for Smith to get enough touches and I think that you're looking at him just in that Hayden Hurst role so look at what Hurst did last year and and I would say that Smith is probably a less consistent version of that. Feeling him in the tight end 30 range uh, that he's currently going at in early best balls. Yes, I am. I am a cheap, mean old person. If I get a discount, I will take it. Getting a discount on him. Getting a lot of discounts uh, right now because it's pre-draft. But it's, that's one. He's, he's dollar general, man. Like, he's the dollar general of tight ends right now, which is fine. I mean, if, if you got some change and you need to get some gum and you just see that near the cash register on the way out, then then go for it. But like, I I don't think it's gonna hit. I feel like I want to be the emoji with a little steam things coming out my nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerome Ford, a must buy in Cleveland now. We hear, you know, well, Cream Hunt is not completely. The door has not been shut, according to Andrew Barry. We'll see about that. Seems like it's been shut. The reporting is that he's lost a step or so of his speed. Jerome Ford is a guy they really seem to like. Is he a must-buy in Cleveland, especially if you take Nick Chubb? For right now, in the same way that you would probably have Irv Smith in that little pencil jar, you know, near the cash register, there's probably a key, there's probably, you know, Jerome Ford's jersey hanging there. You could probably get that at a cheaper price and, uh, and might have a little bit more upside to it. Certainly the Kareem Hunt talk, that's probably, you know, maybe he's lost a step, but 
um, there's that's probably also talk to drive down the contract price a little bit. So I, I would say that um, Ford may lose out on <clears throat> Hunt coming back, but within a year or two, he's going to get an opportunity. So I would, at this cheap of a rate, why not? Because you can get rid of him with really no, uh, you know, no major um, hurt to you in terms of your bottom line. And he's certainly a tough runner who you know, has some quickness to him, catches the ball reasonably well. Um, I think he's a, he's a good play and he showed, he showed some good work as a return specialist last year. I think you're going to see that translate to um, his work between the tackles this summer. It's one of the handful of kind of free square dart tosses and current best balls that, that like I'm out there and I am drafting the best balls and I realize the NFL draft hasn't happened. Hell, I'm in a dynasty draft where I've already drafted rookies so don't tell me about the draft not happening. Uh, but, you know, you're out there in these early best balls. I'm probably close to 30 deep so far in those. And I'll have shares of a lot of players whose values will be destroyed in the draft. <coughs> maybe one of them, a handful of the guys we're talking about, maybe them. Jake Ferguson is one of those cheap buys that, that I'm getting some shares of right now that might be destroyed uh, this weekend if the Cowboys pick a tight end. There's been a lot of talk about that. Is Jake Ferguson a fantasy buy in Dallas? as things stand now. Well, I'm not a big believer in anything that's being talked about after the combine. So, you know, in terms of who people are looking at, and it may well happen, but Ferguson's a good blocker. Um, he's also really good in the short area of the field. So to me, if they're going to take Michael Mayer, unless Michael Mayer really does prove to be a field stretcher in more ways than what I've seen on tape, it, you're really looking at six six dozen, you know, six or half dozen of another, you know, basically when it comes to these players and style. I think Ferguson's just a, is an underrated player. And again, I would take the shot on him right now at this stage for sure. Um, they, I think they liked what they saw from him. He, he gives you a little, the same kind of vibe that Dalton Schultz gave you. And I don't think Michael Mayer necessarily, I think Michael Mayer's floor is closer to Dalton Schultz than it is to you know Jason Witten maybe he's old Jason Witten like the old the, the older version of it but I don't see him being like young Jason Witten fair enough and doesn't have nearly as cool a name as his teammate Peyton Hendershot uh for going on name value that ranks very highly with me but I prefer Ferguson at the moment the Chiefs you are fucking adding another running back in the draft absolutely because I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is you know perpetually in the in the training room at this stage. I think he's been beaten up pretty hard. Um, they're, they're talking about bringing Jarek McKinnon back, um, but I think it really depends on who which backs are available to them in the rounds that they're looking for a back, which I think is somewhere between rounds three to five. And I think they'll probably, if they find a good deal in the back in rounds four or five and he starts off well, Jarek McKinnon's that guy that they can bring in and just say, just... Just hang out. You don't need to go to camp. We know what you can do yeah. for us, and you'll get paid. And that'll probably happen even if they add another back. Right. I, I think so as well. The frustration level of all these backs who aren't getting paid is probably something they might have to get used to. Sorry for all them. Um, but also, Brett Beach is the guy who famously said prior to last year's draft that there's a thousand-yard rusher available in the seventh round every year, more than one. And this year, I think more so maybe than others, that seems like there's that big knot of running backs that kind of – are going to get pushed down because of some of the higher values and valuations of the other positions uh, that are going to be available in that range that you talked about. So I'm kind of feeling this as well. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they've talked about they're still deciding on his fifth-year option. 
probably means they have already no, decided yeah. they're just not saying so yet. Yeah. So a uh, player we've mostly decided on and maybe shouldn't have, uh, Allen Robinson in Pittsburgh. Feel him or fuck him? I'm feeling him, but I would... Come on. But I would... St- I, I can't say it with, with vigor I, because I'm feeling, I'm feeling Calvin Austin at the cash register as the guy that if I'm getting me some Allen Robinson, I'm still want to get some Calvin Austin who was hurt all last year, the rookie out of Memphis, who's much smaller than Allen Robinson, but he's more in that um, Wandale Robinson kind of build size skill level. I think he's more skilled than Wandale Robinson. If you like Wandale Robinson, your Calvin Austin is a much cheaper and I would argue better version of Wandale Robinson. We'll see if that that plays out if the team gives him a chance. I'll take the shot on Robinson though I'm you know it it has to come at at the reasonable price that he's likely going to be at. How about you? He is a wide receiver 76 right now. Uh, essentially a free square play. There's some other players we'll talk about in this range. There's some I like a lot better than him in this range as well. You know, or Rashid Shahid is somebody I'm going to I'm throwing yes. a lot of rolling a lot of dice at. He's at 72. I'm using current best ball over the last, just this month, right, at best ball 10. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I'd probably take a chance on is kind of the de facto one until Canarius Tony proves otherwise. I mean, like, none of these guys are ideal, right? And I don't think Allen Robinson's ideal. I think the big argument for the, the Pittsburgh receiving core is whether you prefer Johnson or Pickens at this point. And I'm kind of been leaning to Pickens, but I think it prefer, you know, maybe depends on how you're building your roster. If you want, you know, if you're looking for that, high floor, you know, target monster. I don't think Johnson changes from that, but we've just seen the ceiling isn't that high. I think maybe there's some ceiling there for Pickens that has not yet been plumbed. So I'm interested in that. And Robinson, again, a free square play if you miss out on those other guys. I'm fine taking them. My expectations are low. Uh, That way I won't be that disappointed when he comes up short again, like I was disappointed last year when he came up short. I blame me. Me too. I blame (laughs) you too. (laughs) Austin Trammell. Speaking of the Rams receiving core, Austin Trammell. Uh, the former Rice receiver, not a big fella, Matt. No, not. Fella. 5'10", 185 pounds. Uh, spent a little time with, uh, with, with the Falcons. Yep. Special teams play, signed with the Rams last year. I mean, it's kind of a kind of a slim depth chart. It is Cooper Cup and who else? Is anyone else still there? Van Jefferson. If, yeah, yeah, running Feeler deep Buck, overs. Austin Trammell. I'm feeling Austin Trammell is a guy you need to monitor this offseason. They're going to get another receiver. They're going to probably get a higher profile draft receiver in the first three rounds who's going to be a bigger guy. Um, and that me- and Trammell probably would be taking the Cooper Cup role if he were to be on the field, meaning that Cup would have to have gotten hurt for him to get that opportunity. I know. But listen, Austin Trammell is an excellent special teamer with good hands, who is super quick. I mean, like, he has elite quickness and short area change of direction. He has good speed. He is a player that I know through, or was introduced through Alex Brown, the director of recruiting at SMU, who was the director of recruiting at Rice while Trammell was there and couldn't have better things to say about Trammell as a player. Um, And and in camp, I monitored his camp in, in Atlanta, and he was showing up daily in camp, but I think he just being an undrafted free agent, they just probably were like, we have our types in terms of how we build our receiver room. And he he was kind of extra in what they needed. 
they they had a surplus at, at those small guys, so they decided to just kind of, you know, he was there for two years hanging on, but after a while he didn't make the roster. The fact that he made the roster after being a futures guy in, in L.A. last year is promising to me. I think that there's something there with this guy. Um, so, yeah, low expectations, but definitely feeling that you should know his name and keep an eye on him. I'm taking your word for this. I've made note, and otherwise I will not say then fuck him because you did say it. So I'm, I'm going to go with you. Uh, James Robinson, now a New England Patriot. We saw the transition last year. He was traded to the New York Jets. Couldn't seem to stay on the field. The Zonovan Knight kind of moved ahead of him in the pecking order uh, when Brees Hall went down. So feeling a fucking James Robinson in New England, minus Damian Harris, mind you, who is now a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I'm a... Uh... I'm going to I'm going to say feel it for now um because you're probably going to get him also in that Allen Robinson range. Where is he in best ball? Probably in that probably that deep. And and I'll talk about him while you look it up and it's the, the thing He's 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 free. He's in the same range as many of these running backs we've yeah. been talking about. He's going after Jerome Ford, uh going slightly ahead of Dearness Johnson who is 69, Robinson is 67. Yeah, I would in that range. It's obviously worthwhile. But here's the thing: they're going to try and get Pierre Strong going, who's an outside zone runner with a lot of speed. Um, certainly, Ramondre Stevenson has earned his bones as the lead back in that offense. Um, so you've got, you know, to me though, Robinson. If Stevenson goes down, I doubt it's going to be the Pierre Strong show. Even though a lot of people who loved his speed are probably going to be clamoring for that, it's most likely going to be Robinson being the lead back if Stevenson were to get hurt. So I think it's worthwhile knowing that likely that that's the likely scenario. And it's tough to come back from an Achilles tear. I mean, certainly remember Donta Foreman, he had little nicks and, and injuries. And a lot of guys do when they come back from that, from that tear where they have compensatory, you know, issues that first year back. So I think he's going to be better. Bill Belichick obviously remembers him, and was like, "That's a good runner. We're going to—he's free money. Let's get him." The Jets got impatient and then got rid of him because Zonovan Knight is a good back. Was one of the better <laughs> was one of the better backs just outside the top ten um, of my rankings last year. Very good receiver, and I think they realized that you know they probably were hasty. But that front, the the Jets. The Jets organization is an interesting crew still. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're expecting bigger things from this Patriots offense this year with an actual offensive coordinator on board in the form of Bill O'Brien. Uh, so that, so I'm kind of with you on Robinson. I mean, uh, again, the price is is right. Uh, there's another play in this range. We'll talk about some other guys here. But, I mean, if you look in that same range, Gus Edwards is running back 65. I don't know why... I mean, if I'm getting into that range and I'm looking for a guy who might be a touchdown threat in best balls, I'm probably taking Gus Edwards over those other players. I would because agree. I think he has that role already baked into the cake and maybe a little more robust role. So I'm feeling that. But I, I could see Robinson, you know, emerging in that kind of role. And New England has a bit of a history, uh, you know, with, you know, reclaiming some of these veteran players who have maybe kind of lost a step or, you know, or, or, seem to have lost their motivation in other places. Randy Moss, yeah. you know, Corey Dillon, et cetera, we could, come to mind. We could have a completely different way of 
conversing about this saying, fuck it, he's a waiver wire guy that right. you keep an eye on. And then when the time Everyone comes, you add it. And that's the way that some people would say it. But I'm, I'd rather say feel it because I think it's just to say he's talented, keep an eye on him. Well, so let's do the same exercise that with another newly minted New England Patriot in the form of Juju Smith-Schuster signed to the team uh, from Kansas City after a single season in Kansas City. He was a little beat up there, but, you know, had some success. So there are no more Jacoby Myers. Is that a good sign for Juju Smith-Schuster? Are you feeling him in, in uh, New England? Oh, I'm totally feeling him in New England. I think he's a smart player. He certainly gives you a little bit of versatility. Um, I thought he looked good before the head injury. So as long as the... As long as he's able to stay on the field, I think that you know he's fine. I would be drafting him late in drafts if he's going in that mid to late range of a lot of air drafts, and I anticipate that he probably is. Currently a wide receiver four, like the tail end of the wide receiver four yeah. range, and I think that's a reasonable gamble. Again, you're expecting this offense to at least, you know, like nothing against Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, but they were not often, neither known for offensive minds. We can even go back two years to the late season run in for the Giants when Joe Judge was kind of running the offense and it was it was horrible. Uh, unimaginative, uncreative, all those things that you wouldn't want it to be. Uh, speaking of the Giants, they have a better coach now, uh, at least a better offensive mind in the form of Brian Dable, and he has a lot of slot receivers, it seems like. Uh, they've added uh, Jamison Crowder. They also added Paris Campbell, who reporting uh, this very day, or at least yesterday, Dan Duggan of the Athletic reports that they may move Paris Campbell to the outside. Uh, they may still draft another player. This is uh, there's a lot of moving pieces here. Wandale Robinson, who you mentioned earlier, coming off injury, feeling a fucking Paris Campbell as a New York Giant. I'd say fuck it if they're thinking about moving him outside. Um, that might make his life a little bit easier with certain route concepts. But I just I'm not big on this wide receiver room. I I think that really. Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins are are good players. They're depth players, if you ask me. You and I don't think they have a, a true starter. Um, the one that they did have, Sterling Shepard, has never stayed really healthy enough or been in a great situation. So this this wide receiver <clears throat> room needs a revamping, if you ask me. And I don't think Paris Gamble's the answer. Hmm. We'll see about that. And I, I do think, you know, for me, as I'm investing in wide receivers in New York in early best ball drafts, the wide receiver I'm investing in is a tight end named Darren Waller. There you he's, go. You know, he's the de facto wide receiver one there. I think yep. he's going to get a ton of opportunities. So, uh, and as things stand now, look, pending the weekend, we'll see what happens with this draft. Trey Lance, we may see some things with him. Uh, he talked this weekend and suggested he has no information on possible trade rumors, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, is he on par? Feel their fucking bad. Trey Lance on par with a first-round quarterbacks in this year's draft class. I wouldn't have begrudged any team if if Trey Lance was available in this draft. I wouldn't begrudge any team that picked him anywhere between one and three in this class. Um, I know there are a lot of people who go, oh, that's you know he's no longer that good. But, you know, it's the same attitude of when you drive a car off a lot and the, and the blue book value goes down, you know, tremendously as soon as you drive it off the lot. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. It, I, I, I'm not worried about him. I think that he was a young player who is with a coach who we've well established is very much in love with his schemes. And if he can get a player that executes his schemes perfectly, he'll take the less talented less physical talented guy or the guy with 
less playmaking upside for um, over a guy who may need a little more seasoning and doesn't do exactly what he wants him to do at every moment. Um, so you know, Kyle Shanahan wants a robot, and I and I like Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy's closer to Brock Purdy's closer to a robot than Trey Lance's, and I'm not saying Purdy is a robot. I'm just saying he's closer to it. Maybe he's 65% of the way there, whereas Trey Lance is 53% of the way there. He's a Shanabot. I mean, that's all that matters in San Francisco right now. If you if you can convince Kyle Shanahan you are a little version of him or some version of him mentally or the way he's processing and seeing the field and I think he's plays. I think he's Robert Palmer in that 80s video, Addicted to Love, and that all his players are all the, all the women who look exactly the same playing all the instruments. That's basically nice, what he wants the nice, 49ers to be. Nice callback. I'll go ahead and do a callback here and say Lance's upside could eventually approach Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, if not exceed it, but his inexperience could lead to a longer acclimation period. The most fundamentally sound quarterback in addition to excellent physical talent, this from the rookie scouting portfolio in 2021 on Trey Lance. And, and I kind of agree with that. I think these guys that come in, like not everyone's going to show up from especially – lesser competitive schools yeah. being pro ready and a little patience could go a long way. In this case, maybe the, I'm pretty sure the 49ers would be feeling more patient and not saying fuck it. If, uh, if they were in a different situation, but Brock Purdy came on, who by the way was fairly highly rated among the quarterbacks in last year's uh, rookie scouting portfolio. If, if you listen, if Carolina doesn't get who they wanted or, you know, or, or Houston doesn't get who they wanted or, you know, Detroit wants to like, Say you know what we got a we got a reclamation project in Jared Goff, but we could trade and get this Trey Lance kid and let him <clears> sit behind Goff for a year. I'd be overjoyed for him, and I'm I'm rooting for him to get out of San Francisco if Kyle Shanahan is the reason that they they really don't want him and they're just gonna spin their wheels with the guy. Feeling Trey Rams Trey Lance uh, Rashad White in 2023. Are we feeling him? He has talked about it. Said he's going to be a stud. Todd Bowles keeps saying he's going to be a stud. I think the uh, this weekend will probably be revelatory in this regard. Um, I kind of feel him as a, as things stand now, I feel him for the role he has. He's not like overpriced, running back 27, the latest best ball uh, ADP. I mean, I think as a running back three, I could do worse. If you truly see him as running back 27, I am totally feeling it. But I know that all you deranged motherfuckers out there <laughs> think that he's like going to be running back two or running back seven at some point because you saw that speed in Arizona State. You saw those that uh, pass catching, and you're all excited about the jump cuts and the size. And I'll just remind you that Leonard Fournette was more efficient than Rashad White by a country mile last yeah. year. Um, and they got rid of him. And they also, the only thing left about that team that, that was really good before Tom Brady came and while Tom Brady was there is the is basically Chris Godwin and, and um, Mike Evans. Now they got Baker Mayfield. Okay. Baker, they, this, this is the beginning, and they added Chase Edmonds. And I'm, I'm sorry, Chase, you're, a, you're a talented running back in a lot of respects, <clears throat> um, but you are usually the beginning of the end when they add <laughs> you to a team, or you're going somewhere else pretty quickly. Or you're the end of the end. You, yeah, you're. <laughs> you're I don't, the <laughs> I don't know. I see the combination of Baker Mayfield and Chase Edmonds, and I go, 
we're we're going back to a previous an old era for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm. and it's not a pretty era. Um, you know, Ybor City might be a little bit more entertaining now that football is not as entertaining in Tampa. I think that's where this is heading, and Rashad White's probably going to suffer from that because there's going to be a lot of long down and distance situations with Baker at the helm. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and put you down as a eh, hater. Hater, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Akbar Bajabiamila, uh, I think a couple nights ago, put out a tweet saying, oh, Derrick Henry's getting traded to the Eagles. Book it. Uh, they share an agent. So, I guess a lot of people put a lot of stock into that. I have talked to people since, including one of your uh, draft drafty colleagues, Tony Pauline, who was texting people while I talked to him and said, nah, this ain't happening. And it doesn't make, it never made sense. Like, well, if you're a team that thinks you're running back away from the championship, there's probably a lot of running backs that don't cost as much including maybe B. John Robinson in this draft when you have the 10th pick overall. So uh, Titans, though, uh, assuming they stick with Derrick Henry, and uh, is it time to find the next Derrick Henry and start working him in the rotation? You feeling that or fuck it? I am feeling it. Derrick Henry still can obviously ball out. and and But the first of all, the Eagles have enough running back talent right now to do fine. Even if Rashad Penny got hurt, I would say that. But they're going to add one more. I, I'm sure they will. Um, but and they can get one in the cheaper range. They've got the offensive line. The Titans, on the other hand, you look at this team, and Hassan Haskins, you know, certainly prized on some in some respects by many people. I don't necessarily think he has the um, explosion to be a top back. Um, I think he can be a reasonable reserve who can catch a ball, run with some power. Um, but Henry's an explosive guy. Julius Chestnut is interesting. If he, you know, there's some explosion to his game. Jonathan Ward is, it, eh, well, I won't go there. I like Jonathan Ward, but we'll see what happens with him. I would keep an eye on him just if you're one of those deep degenerates like I am who wants to see, you know, if there's anything there. But I would say when you look at the, that three, it's not an inspiring trio. Um, Haskins is going to get his run, and they're going to realize that he's not really that you know, he's not that guy of the future. Chestnut might be, but can the transition be there? Um, so they're going to add a more physically explosive player in this draft. I I would agree with that as well. Derrick Henry will remain there and be a be a fine play for fantasy managers this year. His value, his price is dropping in these early best balls. You're getting him into the middle of the second round. Um, I haven't been not been afraid to chase that price uh, any more than Hugo's afraid to chase dogs in the dog park. Yeah, he's, and I think he's trying to chase me right now, but we'll see. He's <laughs> uh, KJ, camera shy. <laughs> KJ Osborne uh, as the uh, number two wide receiver for Mini in 2023. Let me frame this in a way that might give away my answer. Please. Why the fuck aren't you feeling this? <laughs> um, because maybe he's. Maybe he's a little bit more one dimensional and like he does a really good job of winning contested plays and earning yards after the catch, but his route running may not be at the level to handle top cornerbacks. That would be the the question that I would need to see him answer is to kind of prove that a little bit more. Um but I'm I'm feeling the idea of him as I'm feeling the idea well, no, where he's going to be going, I'm just not feeling it. I think they're going to draft another receiver and they're going to do it fairly early. I will say this. 
you're a hater, obviously. Rashad yes. White will tell you this. KJ yes. Osborne will tell you this. Baker Mayfield will tell me this. Baker Mayfield will tell you this. Um, uh, so right now, KJ Osborne going is a, I want to say, what is a wide receiver, wide receiver five range in best balls. I think this is a reasonable. That is a reasonable gamble at this point, right? I think I feel like there. So in these best ball drafts I'm in, I've mentioned I've been in a number of them. I feel like I I get the round eight and I say, why did I draft anybody at this point? Because everybody going after round eight, or I'm like, I, I can like tell a happy story. I tell myself a happy story about every single one of these players going this late, and KJ Osborne would be on that long list. So we'll see. The draft again this weekend will be very revelatory in this regard, and so um, we'll finish up with this one. Uh, Matt, optimistic or skeptical uh, when GMs, coaches uh, sing the praises of young veterans before the NFL draft who have not yet performed up to expectations? Oh, skeptical. Very skeptical. That's usually the we're pumping up the guy to make him feel confident, hoping that something can happen early on because we're about to dump our shares on this guy. That's kind of what I always see. Let, let, let me tell you how we handle this information this time of year, people. While Matt Waldman is reining in his dog, bring him on the camera, Matt. That's bring what we're going to do. Come on, big Here he comes. Ugh. Oh. There we go. He's a handsome bastard. He's much a... like his owner. <laughs> um, so he's handsome. I'm just a bastard. I'm going to tell you people how to handle these uh, these comments, right? Everything is, that you're hearing, everything the coaches say, everything the GMs say, they're probably saying with some reason, often no other reason that they've been asked the question, right? and they don't really have a good answer. So we're putting this into a data continuum. There's a string of information that's coming to you at all times, right? Plug it in, keep paying attention, look to see what happens compared to what's being said. That's how this works, right? I mean, you know, that's how you figure things out. Compare what is happening at any given time. The reports coming from the field, the reports coming from practices, the reports coming from the local observers who kind of have the flavor in the background and compare it to what's being said and then compare it to what's actually happening over the course of time. Is this player living up to those words or the expectations placed on them? And, and that's kind of how you play it. A lot of these players that, you know, we're talking about here are, are you know, maybe guys that you have on the tail end of dynasty rosters, those guys that are impossible to get off your dynasty roster because you never want to let go. And all it takes is a little word of encouragement from a coach or a GM to, to keep you hanging on because that's your your preferred thing anyway. So just take it for what it is. It's a piece of information you're plugging into a data matrix. It's an ongoing thing. And, you know, be ready to adjust based on the events as they occur. And, and really what you learn over time, and this is valuable information if you're a fantasy manager, is what kind of liars you're dealing with at these top positions. Because they all, you know, Chris Ballard said it this week, they're either lying or dancing, right, when they're asked questions. And, and so... Figure that out and understand what it is and use it to your advantage as you're trying to sort through uh, these murky waters we do over the off seasons with all these players and all their evaluations and all the news, especially this week as we head into the draft where I'm going to I'm gonna say, I'm probably going to underestimate 90% of everything you hear is going to not come to pass. I'm, right? I sure hope that, I sure hope that they, that's a great point. I sure hope they're <clears throat> Chris Ballard's line about Will Levis, um, <laughs> who I actually um, coined a, coined a Freudian slip I meant to say lapses about some things and I kept saying Levis's having Levis's you know and I hope I hope for Will Levis's sake that 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 I don't start calling lapses Levis's that's for sure 
I think it might become synonymous. All right, there you have it. This issue of issue. What is this? A written tome like the rookie scouting portfolio, or, which, by the way, you can still buy. And the post draft will be out what day? Um, no later than seven days after the draft, probably sooner. And you'll get a cheat sheet probably within the first three to four days at the latest. Damn well better. All right, that's it. Love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye.